Perez. Walto makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to our Burkamp Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. My name is Bob, and joining me today to talk all things Arsenal, and maybe deviate a little bit to laugh about Chelsea, because who doesn't like to laugh at Chelsea? Uh, it's Mr. Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I've got through the fact that I think 20% of ABW tried to get me sanctioned this week. Um, <laughs> at least, uh, I would say it's 66% of the uh, total people on this podcast tried to get me sanctioned this week as well. All right, uh, Calm well, down. There you go. I know. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Have you paid back all the dividends that you got from Danny? That's the question, really. Uh, what I have done is all the Jaffa cakes he sent me in the past, I've managed to pile them all together since going through my system, and I'm going to post them later. Um, Danny's got a lot to answer for, and since I've mentioned your name, Danny, you're obviously here. Uh, how much bongs have you taken from Josh? To, 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 to get rid of to get rid of the sanctions on him because he's uh, I mean we we know Jeff moonlights but Jeff's top of his game isn't he Jeff's a he's a he's a he's a mover and a shaker he's a schmoozer as some people would like to refer but but um yeah but Josh had to go and get written permission in triplicate from Soph and Kev to come on here and I said no he's um you need to sanction him so from now on he's only doing the preview shows so the only podcast he's allowed to do until he learns his lesson and uh, I think Carl backed that. And henceforth, that'll be your, your position, Josh. So you, you, your ladder, can get fucked. <laughs> wow. I, I assume they take uh, place after this podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm sure ah. we'll find a preview show where, uh, where I can attend and uh, annoy everybody <laughs> with my hipster ways. It was quite a pile on, though, wasn't it? Uh, everyone agreed with me. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was liked in ABW. Well, I didn't goes far as being liked um but you know all of the all of the two people that replied to your message agreed <laughs> that's the kind just of strong rate josh, I like. just remember josh as much as you may be liked or not liked you'll always be more liked than chris carpenter chris. <laughs> i was going to say if anybody's to blame for my behavior in abw it's the man that brought me into abw and that would be chris um so okay. i would like you to take up all issues with mr carpenter for causing nonsense, as we call him now. <laughs> Still, I don't understand. In a room full of women, he managed to be the prettiest person there. How I, he I was delightful, know. wasn't he? The most effeminate person in the room. <laughs> the best hair. <laughs> I heard at one point a shark tried to eat him. It just looked like a tasty little snack. Did uh, it's mostly hair and bad tattoos and ill-fitting what, trousers. And that was the shark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh god, let's get on. Um, so we've got two games to talk about and a, a plethora of things uh, all last night. And I guess we, we'll talk about the Wolves game. Sorry, not Wolves. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about the Leicester game first, uh, briefly, um, that we played on su- Sunday, wasn't it? 
Mm-hmm. No, it's so, yeah, Sunday. Um, so obviously it was it was a win, um, two 0 win. Um, Leicester haven't been that good recently, so I it was one of those games that I personally wasn't really worried about. I we we came into it, Leicester. I mean, yeah, they've got good players, but I think they're in like in twelfth or something along them lines, tenth or twelfth maybe. So it's not like they were setting the world alight. You know, I remember towards the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about, oh, they're going to be contenders for Champions League and all things like that. And they have fallen away very, very, very much so. Um, I won't bother to go into the starting lineup because our starting lineup kind of picks itself uh, for the last, God, how many games. But Josh, going into the game, were you any sort of apprehensive about Leicester coming to the Emirates and maybe picking up any points? No, uh, I wasn't that worried. We know Brendan's a fraud and their midfielders are a fraud and their young French centre-back is a fraud as well. Um, Although he's just come back and scored tonight. Um, I think that was the real reason. They had all of their, um, you know, all of their eggs firmly in this Europa League conference pot and the Premier League had come second. You know, they'd... Uh, Jamie Vardy was out injured and Tielemans was rested on the bench. I think he's still not necessarily at the level that um, some Arsenal fans would lord him in. Um, But yeah, uh, there were some big players that were missing from there. Uh, We knew who their danger men would be. Um, I do still like the look of Harvey Barnes as a player generally. He was their danger man and I think we contained him pretty well um, throughout that game. I think overall we didn't really... Um, feel threatened that much um, by Leicester, by how they were attacking. Our only real issue was trying to get past Schmeichel initially. And, you know, once he lost his head, that was fine. Uh, it was easy pickings from there. Uh, but I don't know, Danny, how you felt about the game. Uh, you've said that you've been on, were there 800 podcasts in uh, in th- 24 hours? This is my eighth podcast since Sunday, most of which have been real. Only one of them was any good. That was when I was a guest on the Villa one, which is coming out soon. Uh, I was I was a bit concerned because Vardy is on the com- comeback trail and he, he played 60 minutes in the game before our one, and then he was injured again. And we know Sancho is is, uh, is either really good or really bad. He's... Um, He's full David Luiz at times with uh, giving stuff away, as we saw, is a bit of a nightmare. Madison, he's 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 the Chris Carpenter of the Leicester City. He's really really good, but moody, and you never know which one's going to turn up or if they're going to turn up at all. I mean, Brendan Rodgers probably didn't even know that he was playing until he turned up. He said, "I'm here." Walked straight into the team, like dear old Carpenter. And uh, yeah, they they had very little to, to, to offer, didn't they? You automatically think Leicester. You think three um, danger players: Tielemans, um, no, not Tielemans, Barnes, Vardy, and Madison. None of them turned up. Their best player was old double barrel surname bloke who was very Jimmy very Hills. good. Who? Oh, Jimmy Hills. As I saw him once described, he's a they have a wedding venue in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day when we used to count the number of double vowel surname players we had when we used to do scores on the doors. Do you remember that one? Oh, I would like to do a new feature later, Carl. It's called Jack Wilshire Watch, letting people know what he's doing. But that's up to you, Carl, because you're the boss. You're in charge tonight. So I'm right. not what what happened to Lone Watch? He fucked it off. He said he didn't like it anymore. Yeah, but he's not here now, so, you know. Uh, a, a separate um, thing. We've got so many on loan. You two would get to say hello and then goodbye, and the other half, half hour and a half would be that. But I was – Leicester are always one of those teams, Josh, where you never know which one's going to turn up. But it does look like 
Brendan is a little bit of a fraud because he can't turn them round. And they have got so many really good players there. And Kasper Schmeichel is one of my favourite goalkeepers. I think he's really, really good. But he, even he didn't have a good game. And our, our team turned up, which was really nice to see. And we've done the double over him again, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you said until you said Casper uh, Schmeichel's a good goalkeeper. I'm not, I don't really <laughs> like him. I don't believe. like Casper Schmeichel. But then I saw Casper Schmeichel as a 12-year-old. Well, not 12. He was 19 um, when he was at Man City. No, oh. Man City. And um, yeah, he got he got knocked out the cup. <laughs> knocked out the cup just after they got taken over. I was, uh-huh. I was there as a little Brighton, Brighton fan. They were in League One. Knocking out the mighty, mighty Man City, and he was the goalkeeper there. Were you there for it? Mm, I was there for it. Yeah. Um, And otherwise, every time I've seen him, he's just, he's turned into now just a guy that moans. He's not really good. He's a shouter. Yeah, he's a shouter and a moaner now, and everything's not his way. And do you know who my dad is? Kind of vibes. (laughs) <laughs> That's what he's, I kind of get from he's getting the runestones out and trying to and channel the the these inner Peter Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel. Yeah, but it doesn't really work. But I just liked him as a goalkeeper. I like what he's done with his career and overall. But he's he's. I think he's on the way out. I think a lot of that team, if Rodgers is going to stay there, a lot of that team do need to be rebuilt, which is something that doesn't need to happen at Arsenal, Carl. Because yet again, the, the, we've got twelve players, and you know, eleven of those twelve players are going to start every single game. Is that a good thing? Yes and no. Uh, what I don't want is us to become too predictable in the way that we play. I mean, yeah, I think the the um, the twelve players that he kind of rotates, well, apart from Martinelli and um, Emil Smith Rowe, they're the ones that you just don't know. But Emil, um, we'll get into how good Martinelli is later. But I think it was. Once Emil Smith-Rowe gets up to fitness, because he's had a few niggles, like I think he had, he had the knock a few weeks ago, and then also he caught COVID. I think it's one of those good problems to have of who do you start? I mean, you could rotate any of the three, Odegaard, Martinelli, um, and Emil Smith-Rowe. But for me, you prefer Saka into that as well, because the games are coming thick and fast now. I mean, we played on Wednesday, and we're playing Saturday morning. The recovery time is minimal absolutely minimal so I think you're going to need you know players to come in and play a part and maybe that wholesale changes I totally understand that but you are going to need some sort of rotation um we had a it was almost like a a jewel in the crown with a party goal uh, against Leicester which you know I think this man has taken I think at last count it was seven million five hundred thousand and seventy four shots uh, at goal and <laughs> let's just say that he wouldn't do too badly playing rugby uh with some of his uh shooting but a good near post header danny uh against leicester what did you think of that stunning I mean, first of all, I like the idea we're mixing up the corners. We've got the best um, conceded from no corners this season. And I think there was a stat that, that they said on the TV that I think uh, that uh, Leicester conceded from 15 corners this season. They're bottom in the league for corners conceded and goals conceded from corners. And a, short, a near post header. I mean, a near post um, uh, corner. And then he, he headed it in and you're thinking, yeah, maybe you should concentrate on doing that more than having shots and trying to take out Sputnik and all those other satellites that are roaming around in the sky that are now defunct. But 
that he, he it was an absolute dream watching him there because he's finally in and who'd have thought it him and Jack having a midfield as two of our most inconsistent players uh, put them together and uh, they're playing magnificently. They're both getting the best out of each other. With that, um, they've swapped positions, haven't they, Josh? The job, the roles that they do. Don't tell him he's muted. Yeah, he's, okay, I won't tell him he's muted. <laughs> no. Oh no! It's because I was playing with my mic and I didn't do it again. Where were we? Yeah. So Partey was playing as a number six. Uh, that's kind of happened a few weeks ago now because we've been playing. Well, we've been unchanging our last four games now with our starting eleven. So yeah. Um, with the kind of switch of position, I think it's um, it's helped us get the best out of Xhaka in the sense that Xhaka loves to turn the ball over in dodgy places. And now that he's slightly further away from goal when he does that, Partey can sweep up or we've got uh, Gabriel or White who've got a bit more time to work out what's going on before they get into him. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main thing is we've managed to get Xhaka away from where he isn't necessarily as good. And um, yeah, Partey taking up that position. I think I said um, earlier in the season, I described him as, uh, you know, Thomas Partey was like having a Lamborghini in the garage, but with no wheels on it. It was great that you've got this great player, but if he doesn't offer anything on the field for you, what's the point of having a, what's the point of having him? He might be great, but if he doesn't do anything for you, we're better off selling than trying to persevere with a player who, is on the wrong side of their 20s uh, and not playing into it. But he has really come to form now. Um, he's showing the reason why we got him. Uh, maybe it's taken him a longer time to settle or perhaps it's the case of, you know what, he just needed Jacker out of his space and allow him to free roam as well because we see him kind of pushed up the field as well as just kind of sitting. He's not just sitting back and holding and playing those intricate passes we've got everybody involved in the build-up now and you know Partey's uh, header that he got from the corner he had other opportunities as well you could see him getting into the box uh, when needed and adding to that aerial threat because we don't necessarily have it with uh, Lacazette as our starting striker Carl, no, did you see that in the second half, Carl, where um, Xhaka was running through the midfield and they just let him do it? <laughs> just running up the field with the ball. They went, let him be all right. Everyone in Rosehead, put a helmet on. He'll be fine. That's hilarious. But that's a good thing. Like Josh said, I think they, they changed roles a little bit and I definitely agree with what Josh said because Granite Xhaka has the opportunity to Granite Xhaka anywhere on the pitch. But if he does it higher up the pitch then you've got more of an opportunity to win the ball back from the opposition. Like, no one wants him to do something silly on the edge of our area and then, you know, creates chances or gives away penalties. And that's not saying that he doesn't, he's shirking away from his defensive duty because he's not, he's still getting back. But I think with him just running up the pitch a little bit more or playing a little bit further forward, it stops, I guess it also stops the referees from every time Granite Jacker tries to make a tackle, it's automatically a foul. If he's not the main person to break up play, because obviously in, in the team, the main person to break up play now is Partey. And, you know, Granite Jacker unfortunately has got a reputation for, you know, always oh, Granite Jacker, he's going to get a foul. And, and he's still, you know, he's, he's still got it in him. You know, we'll talk about it in the Liverpool game in a second, but, you know, I think everyone saw in the Liverpool game, he's still got a little Granite Jacker in him. But, I think this new him playing higher up the pitch is suiting him. 
Um, but th this is Granite Jacko for all over, isn't it? Like we go through like weeks of hating Granite Jacko. Oh, he's shit. He's, he needs to leave the club. Like he's not good enough. And then he, I mean, he's not setting the world alight, but he plays well. And then it's like, oh, well, it's not that bad. You know, if he give us another season and if he could, um, you know, play better, then, you know, he can stay in the squad. I still think that if we want to have that number eight uh, person in the squad, there are much better players than Grant Xhaka that we can, there must be players around Europe or the world uh, to bring in that could, you know, do the job that, you know, Aaron Ramsey done in that 15, 16 season where he was, 15, 16? Yeah, where he was uh, unbelievable. He was absolutely tremendous. So, yeah. Um, Josh, quick one for you. Was it a handball yeah. for you? Yeah. Peter's hands. What's going in? Should have been a red card. Get them all off. Uh, I mean, if one of our players had done it, um, maybe not. Depends on which player did it. If Granite Xhaka did it, of course, we're all going, Granite, you fucking dickhead. What did you do that for, twats? Um, I didn't have to be get sent off. But yeah, it was it was a tight one, but those are the kind of decisions. I know everyone was bemoaning, oh, it took five minutes to get to the decision. You know what? I'd rather have the fucking penalty than not get the penalty because the guy punched it off the line. Um, yeah, it stopped it from going in. It's it's one of those that, yeah, I'm very happy that it got called, um, even more so that it annoyed Kasper Schmeichel so much, especially when Lacazette then converted the penalty because he just didn't like it. It's it like, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair that he sat me down. Oh, I didn't get to save it, ref. Fuck off, even though he was about three foot off his line by the time Lacazette had stepped up to the ball. But yeah. You'd have to be so angry if you were, because he really, um, uh, Sonchi really, really stretched. It was Sonchi, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, really, really stretched to try and get his fingers to that ball. If he'd have just kept a fist, he'd have missed it. But going, there's no way anyone could say that wasn't. I mean, even if he wouldn't have touched it, he still attempted to touch it, and that should have been a penalty just because he couldn't reach it. But you see from the third view, because the commentators were going, oh, I'm not sure about that. And the third view, Alan Smith went, yeah, he's touched that. His fingers have just touched it. But to have your hand all the way out like that and then go for it like that, what does he think he's going to do? It's not the hand of God. You're not getting away with that anymore, sunshine. <laughs> Nightmare. No, I agree. Because the ball changed the uh, trajectory. You could see the ball was spinning mm. one way. Then when it hit it, his hand, it changed. Um, it changed differently. So, yeah, definitely a penalty. Lack of uh, converted. I think that's his what sixth goal of the season. I want to say sixth in the league for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think he had four up until that point. But he's got a good number of assists. I can't think what the number is off the top of my head. I'm sure Danny could find it at some point. Um, I don't know he is currently mid conversation elsewhere. Uh, he's oh, probably moonlighting on. Oh, he's probably moonlighting on another podcast. That's what he's doing. He's on another <laughs> podcast at the same time. What do you want me to find? Lacazette's assists for this season. Okay, okay. You know, Number people. Of, if you want to go and find this stuff, a really good way to go and get it is go to Wikipedia and go to the French version or La La mm. for anyone because they have all of the. Um, all of the assists as well. So this season, I think he's on about six, isn't he? Um, six Arsenal, goals, twenty in the Premier League, twenty-two games, four goals, seven assists in all competitions. Twenty-eight, six, and eight. Mm. So seven assists was the big thing on there, and it's up there with um, probably Oda, certainly more than Odegaard, up there with Saka. 
terms of number of assists this season. I can have a look at the entire team on, on this one, transfer oh. market. Uh, the most number of assists is Lacazette, seven, Saka, five, Martinelli, Tyranny, and Erdegaard on three. That's league go. only. Nice. But he's actually got, I was up before that, Carl, just in um, his second season with us, he got 19 goals and 11 assists. Hmm. Different time in it, yeah. like he's um, what was he then 28, 27, 28. So he was uh, that's when we chicken. were playing well, we playing well under Emery. Anyone remembers mm. that day, first oh, season of Emery, those days. You see, his result last night is Villarreal went to Juventus and beat them 3 0. Yep, turn them over, lovely, getting back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, speaking of Odegaard, Danny, how well did Odegaard play on Saturday? Like, Odegaard, was... Odegaard as he should be. He's <laughs> he's filthy. He's a dirty, dirty boy. We saw in a game a few weeks ago where he, he lobbed the player stood two foot in front of him, lobbed, lift the foot. I don't. What is there a term for that, Josh? Where you get the ball, you just lift it up in the air straight up. Chip it. It's almost like you're picking it up with your feet. I'll lift it. Maybe a, a lift lob. Scoop. Scoop it. Scoop. He scooped it over the head of the defender and on onto an on-running Lacazette. And then when he did that little thing, we did the um, the no-look back pass, and then it went to someone. You think this boy, he's in, he's loving his football again. And when he do that, and the player's enjoying himself, that's when the little bag of tricks gets opened up and sprinkled all over the pitch. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And considering we are still getting better by the game and learning new stuff and, and gelling, you think, what if he's got someone in that midfield that is even better than Xhaka who can rely on to uh, cover him when he goes off on a run? It's a, just a magnificent player and he only costs us 35 million carnets. <sighs> he's going to go, if he stays with us, which I think he will do for, yeah. for many years, he's going to go down as one of one of the our Premier League best players, I think. I think. Carl, I know we said we were going to laugh at Chelsea fans this um, podcast, but can we also take a moment to laugh at Real Madrid fans who are now tearing their hair out that Edu turned up in a balaclava and a suitcase to Madrid in the summer and went, oh, we had him on loan, really likes it here. Um, how about 35 million? Go on. You want 75 million? Fuck off. 35 million. He doesn't want to be with you. He wants anyone Arsenal. 35 million. They comes along here now and what well, yeah. As Daniel said, if you put him on the market now, how much are we taking for him? Hundred million? Yep. They yeah. kept Sabios. It's normally be the other way around, wouldn't it? We get two <laughs> players on loan and then the one we get back is the one they don't want this time. Edu. And people have moaned about Edu Carl. Um he's he's got the he's got the little uh, thing glass of um of whiskey and a cigar and he's got the barbecue going, he's got his expensive Gucci loafers on, he's going, I'm doing things. He mugged us off in January, but this this summer, he, that barbecue is is going to be out that barbecue all day, every day, tweeting us, teasing us because we, we move Carl in the summer for new players. Yes, we we are definitely going to have to uh, move for players in the summer, mainly a striker, which we'll definitely get onto later. Um, so let's just wrap up the Leicester game. I mean, for us, good win. It's put us back into fourth place uh, ahead of Manchester United which we should laugh at Man United as well, just because in the opportunity to get to laugh at Man United, we should always take that. Um, so we left Leicester game and, you know, everyone was a high. And then Wednesday, Liverpool. <sighs> Before the game, 
Josh, how was you feeling? I mean, I'll tell you how I was feeling. I was, I'll be very honest, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I didn't think we'd win. I, I genuinely didn't think we did, we would, because Liverpool are a different class. They are, I hate to say it, probably top two teams in the world, maybe three. Um, and they are magnificent. They've got players that they can bring off the bench and do whatever. So for me, I what I wanted was a, a low-scoring game. I didn't want us to embarrass ourselves. I wanted us to make a good account of ourselves. Like I'm, like I'm not stupid. I know Arsenal, maybe some Arsenal fans may be quietly optimistic. I don't think any sane Arsenal fan thought that we'd actually win against Liverpool. Maybe they did. But what about you, Josh? What was your feelings pre-game um, before we actually started? As an insane Arsenal fan, uh, I'll start with that because <laughs> they'll tell you where I'm going. Uh, I mean, I was one of those people that was unfortunate enough to see uh, Liverpool twice in a week. I've watched more Liverpool games this week than Arsenal games because I was at Brighton, uh, Brighton Liverpool. And that Liverpool side was so ordinary. Didn't deserve either of their goals, but somehow didn't deserve... Well, they kind of deserved to win, but didn't deserve to score any goals. Didn't carve out any decent chances. Uh, so I was coming into it thinking, well, the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, uh, the Brighton game, Brighton were all over Liverpool. They looked scared. I was like, if we can do that the same, maybe nick a goal, we got a chance to turn over this Liverpool side because they look ordinary at the moment. They do not look like the same Liverpool that you would have talked about maybe even three months ago. I think Salah looks utterly depressed that um, the better player in the team won the uh, Africa Cup of Nations. And I think they've been really struggling in that regard. They didn't, I think we can all say they didn't play well against us last night at all. I don't think they beat us with any additional quality. They didn't tear us apart. They got lucky. And that's the kind of thing that happens when you are a top, it's what makes you know a great team into a world-class team is that by hook or by crook you get the three points we saw it with you know the invincibles that kind of area you saw the man united teams under fergie they all have it that kind of i have no idea how we lost that game but the other team just did something wasn't even tangibly that good but they weren't um they weren't anything special, uh, that Liverpool side. So I thought we could, we did have a good chance. Uh, we've seen we've been able to close them down again. We're in a good run of form. Um, I wasn't going to be disappointed if we lost, but then, to be honest, the possibility never really got into my head that we could lose it. It was more about I thought we'd draw um, at the end of it because I think we wouldn't be able to keep them out. But fundamentally, going into the game, I thought the win was on the cards. Um, and to be honest, if you spoke to me at half time, uh, I would have said exactly the same thing that we will get a goal in the second half. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold looks like he is probably the fourth best right back in the championship, not, you know, the fourth best right back in world football that he's potentially heralded as. He looked like the Scouse Andre Santos. Um, the way that Martinelli was just completely ruined him um, for that entire 90 minutes. But 
that's what happens. You know, you've got players of other quality and any lapse in concentration that we have results in us being punished. But Danny, were you of any different thought? Um, I'm just looking back at some of the notes that I made from last night. I put Saka running down the right, wild down the right, Robertson can't handle him. And you know you've got a player on your hands because I always say that when you look at what we've got at Arsenal, we've got players in every position that are... The, that are really attacking in in the, the their half of the pitch, and to have a player like Saka and against all most Premier League teams, he runs down the right side and cuts in and gets across it. And when he can do that against Liverpool uh, and Robertson, who is one of the best left backs in the country, and maybe like you were saying about um, Terence Trent Derby, maybe one of the best in the world, for him to do that over and over. And then I may have said that. Um, uh, Party and Ramsdale doing the quarterback thing, like we're saying that Xhaka and Party are swap position, and now with Ramsdale doing these long, accurate passes because he's right-footed, he only does them down to the left. But then with Party, he can do them in either direction. I suppose maybe Ramsdale could as well. But that gives us so much attacking scope; it is magnificent. And then the favourite bit of last night is um, they're attacking down their uh, right with. Oh, pardon me, uh, with, with Trent, and then Martinelli comes from our left wing, runs up to him, gets gets the ball off him, and runs away with the ball. And then uh, um, Trent was probably thinking, bloody hell, that player is, a, like someone said in the chat during last night, he said that was a great trial for Liverpool. They, they're probably going to be very happy with Martinelli in any couple of years because he ran them racket, and he did 90 minutes, Carl. So much time this in recent his career, he hasn't played the whole game either because he comes on or because he goes off early. But for him to play the whole 90 minutes against a team like that, and even in the dying seconds of the game, still be pulling that magic out, magnificent audition for for any other team that wants to come and steal him. And I just he's going to be one of the, the players that that I'm going to be most worried about leaving because he's got no loyalty to Arsenal, has he? Um, Saka and Smithrow and Erdegaard have, but. Yeah, I'm very worried because so many times he looked like Ronaldo when he was younger, didn't he? Marty if said, Arsenal, I'm so wrong, I was going to say, Marty said a couple of weeks ago he wants to finish his career at Arsenal. You know, he's to stay here. The vibes are at that level that he's happy to stay at Arsenal for the rest of his career. I mean, it might be a waste, but <laughs> I'm happy for, that. <laughs> no, I'd be happier for him to be a waster. Um, uh, so, yeah, sorry, Carl. Go over. If Arsenal are not in contract talks with him now would be very, very silly because I'm sure he's got, what, maybe two years left? Danny, you'd probably have a look. But I'm sure he's, he's probably got about two years left. So we should be looking to say, um, because there are um, signing a new contract because there are definitely teams who are going to be in for him. There's no doubt that I think Liverpool, if, if Salah leaves, which... I don't know if he's holding up for more money or he actually does want to leave. Liv Klopp comes from Martinelli. I have no doubt about that. And they will offer an obscene amount of money because they know that we've got no obligation to sell. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do see a £100 million bid from Liverpool uh, for him. Oh, they have, by the way, they have fucked up Salah's contract and I have no idea who's to blame. Is it Salah's agent or Liverpool? Because I mean, he he's How on much the same. Does he, want? Uh, he wants to be considered the same as Kevin De Bruyne and you know, De Gea. Those kind of. He's talking like three hundred k plus. He's still on the first contract that he signed when he joined Liverpool. 
they haven't signed an extension since he's been there. He's still probably on something stupid like 80k or 120 maybe. But yeah, they've really fucked up. <laughs> Salah's second season, he was top goalscorer in the league and his agent didn't think to sit down with Liverpool and try and hash out an extra year and a wage bump. I mean, it's it says here, but... he signed a five-year contract on fifty-two million pound a a year for five, for five years. That's a million pound a year. So if you divide a million by fifty-two, two hundred grand a week, possibly. Yeah, and he'll want three, four hundred. And Grealish Double went. To, yeah, Grealish went to Man City and is on three hundred grand a week now. Uh, he will want that same kind of thing because it's a stature. He's in world football, isn't he? He's, like it or loathe it, like it or loathe it, he would have been uh, up for the Ballon d'Or if Egypt had won the Cup of Nations. Oh yeah, I think the problem is is that his age, isn't it? Isn't he what thirty one? Mm. And I don't think Liverpool want to give a thirty one year old, you no. know, three hundred grand, four hundred grand a week. Like, and I can kind of understand, but because, but in the short term, twenty nine. I was twenty nine. Okay, but in the short term. Salah's going to give you what he gives you. Hmm. And surely he's going to want a five-year contract or a four-year four contract. And he will just sit there. That will be him. I'm not saying Salah was going to regress at all, but he's going to think to himself, I'm 350 grand a week. Hmm. So um, It's that fabled final payday. Noza says he's 30 in June. Oh, yeah. So there you go. That's That's him. And that's a lot of money to give someone at that age who potentially is only going to give you another maybe two to three years at the very top level because Salah's game is based on running. Like it's based on driving that players how and closing down players. That's what Liverpool do. You know, at that age, how much can you keep it up? You know, it's it's worrying. But like I said, if, if Salah does leave, then Liverpool definitely come for Martinelli I have or Saka mm. one of the two and I was watching you know at the end of, at the end of the game I was, I was just annoyed and I wasn't really concentrating and I wanted to see if um, Klopp would approach Martinelli but the fact that you know at the end of the game Klopp came out and was like I don't want to talk about his def um, Trent's defending because Martinelli is out of this world he's a brilliant player and he keep he spoke about him at the last game and then speaking about him again at this game, just makes me think, you know, is he just putting out the sounders to show you know, how much I mm. rate you for when I come for you or if I come for you? I don't like that. So He me, said it for the past three games. Past three games that we've had against Liverpool, he has always said, I love Martinelli. Um, but you know what, Klopp? Liverpool's a shithole, so he won't want to move there. <laughs> Yeah, I think Arsenal need to be definitely talking to Martinelli's contract um, agent and be like, mm -hmm. "Here you go, this is what we want. Go for it, like sign." Because I know we're talking to Saka at the moment, but Martinelli, mm -hmm. but even that Danny, how good was he yesterday? He, like Josh said, he made Trent Alexander like look below average yesterday, like it, way below average. It was almost like. He could fit right into the 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 invincible era of Arsenal. That that probably uh, ninety eight to two thousand and four era. He could have slipped right in there and covered any of those positions. Maybe wouldn't have been quite as good because he's so young. But the likes of Lundberg, Perez, and 
and uh, and the other ones that came in in those positions, they they weren't that great when they started out. And he's had it. He's had what two years here, and it's no. He's, he's finally producing the goods game after game, and that's why it annoys me. So many people were so down about that game, saying it was all over. For 54 minutes, we were the best team on the pitch by quite a way, mm. and whether it was because. Klopp decided uh, that we're going to just like like a child before bedtime, just let it have a run around, get all the energy out of it, and then then they'll be knackered after half uh, about an hour. Um, but for, for some of them to just carry on going the whole time, but they, as usual, like all the other games we've had recently, all of our players give everything they had, mm-hmm. and they were unlucky with the first goal with Ramsdale. He should have stopped it or blocked it or saved it. Uh, it's a, a goalkeeper's always caught and uh, said you never let them beat you at the near post. But I think maybe there was one of our... It might have been uh, Benny Blanco was standing in front of him. So that's maybe his only excuse because you wouldn't have thought Jota would have shot from there. He got a hand to it, didn't he? He got a hand Mm. to it and just didn't get it around the post. And it is is disappointing that he conceded that goal. But then you think about all of the points he saved us over this season. He's had a clean sheet every other game. 12 in 24. Mm. For someone who's 23 years old. We haven't had a goalkeeper like that since Chesney. Mm. I think I think no one would be more disappointed that that goal went in than Aaron Ramsdale, and he knows he should have saved that near post. And yeah, it was disappointing, especially because for the, up until that point, we were by by far the better team. Like um, like Josh was saying, even I was a little bit optimistic and thinking, you know what, maybe you know maybe we'll get a, we'll get something out of this and we almost did i think if odegaard i mean mm. when that stupid pass back happened and lacazette one lacazette should have put that in you know if we had a better striker uh, a striker's putting that in and I mean, Ian Wright when, would probably looked at that and gone i would never have passed it to another player there no right like a better striker was going to put that into the back of the net 100% I think ian wright would also be playing it back to dennis burkamp <laughs> a slight difference. Martin Odegaard's good, but he's not Dennis Burkamp. Not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Yet. <laughs> I think that's the difference. But, you know, if Odegaard puts it in, it's a totally different ball game, and it's just fine margins like that. And that's what. Once we missed that, I was on um, the phone to one of my friends, and I said, "Watch the counter attack now from Liverpool." Like you just knew that that was a you knew that that was a turning point, and. Sadly, he actually was. I mean, that miss in the grand scheme of things was really, you know, not the best, unfortunately. And, you know, Odegaard goes from... I mean, furthermore, it was a very good save as well. Let's not take that anything away uh, from Addison. It's probably one of the best goalies was, in the world. Do you expect it? It was an absolutely brilliant save from Addison, and I can't take anything away from him. But, you know, sadly... Um, we conceded the first goal and it was just like really fine margins. Like if Cedric doesn't, is not so far away from Jota, if he is a little bit tighter, Jota doesn't get in on goal. Um, it, it, it was sad it, because like you said, we were playing so well up until then. And like, what I didn't want is our heads to drop. You know, we conceded and what I wanted was that, all right, cool, we conceded, let's go again, let's recycle, let's try. And then to the best, um, they tried. They really, really tried, and they nearly, and they nearly, kind of played Liverpool off the park again. I mean, Josh, when that goal went in, was your head? Like, did your head just sink as well, or did you think 
no, we're going to do this. Or do you think, oh, fuck off, Jota. It's always you in it. Um, as soon as we conceded the first one, I knew that was kind of it because yeah. we'd had our opportunity to get that goal. And as soon as the game stretches and Liverpool can kind of dictate the chaos, then that's when you know you're done for. And because we then need to push, we weren't going to be like a a lower league side that as soon as they concede the first goal, they're like, well, okay, that's the game plan out the window. Now it's damage limitation. We're the Arsenal. We are still, irrespective of our current positions or current failings, we still expect as a fan base to attack and win or go for a win against the top sides in the league. Uh, so I think that's the that's the point. You knew Liverpool were then going to pick us off with another another goal pretty swiftly after as well. Um, and that's where I think, yeah, we see the second goal, the Firmino one. You know, just after Jota scores, they uh, they take him off. Uh, I think our defending could have been better for the Jota goal as well, by the way. Um, we got completely done by the fake offside run of, um, was it Diaz? He goes for a run in behind and that drags our um, back four a yard or two, which is what gives Jota the space to run into. Because before that, he was standing offside. But because someone had made a false run and our back line had stepped to go with it, it then gave Jota the space to run into. Um, but yeah, um, it was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy um, afterwards. But yeah, Danny, what did you think as well? Uh, one thing that made me laugh, I was trying to think of it, and we all know, I, I like a good analogy. We never need an analogy for anything. Arsenal are like the greatest boxer in the world with mixed MMA skills. And he gets in the ring, giving it all of that lot, and the opponents think, "Fuck, we're, in, we're really in trouble here." And then you realise he's wearing oven gloves, and uh, we're going to get absolutely nowhere. We saw that last night with that quickly taken free kick, where um, that had been Martinelli, or if that had been Pepe, or any of that lot that the, the, the quickly taken free kick would have gone to. But it was like Lacazette was in um, a slightly, he, he was in a slightly different plane of existence. He was like half a second to a second off, and he went. Oh, if I'll go after that. Oh, it's got right. I'm going to make and go for a sprint and then not do it. And then you realize, no, this, uh, yet another time where poor old Lacazette, I can't believe he's 30 and he's, he's a burst of acceleration at the start. There's a word for that. And I can't think what it is when you go, um, his acceleration from a, from a, start, a standing start and then the speed he gets to is so slow and takes so long to do. But, anybody anyone else in our team Saka Martinelli all of these players would have been on that like a like a rat on a bumblebee and it they could have done something with it but he would like 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 dear old Femi who was nearly going to join us tonight I hope you've read the bedtime stories Fem he says uh yeah for mentioning the free quick I said that straight away that was you don't get many opportunities Carl in a game to have a chance at scoring and when it that you just look at it and go now, we all love Lacazette. He's one of the most loved players at the club. He's got the greatest beard. He's probably the best-looking bloke now that Chambers has gone. And then you look and you think, mate, we can't... When I'm not paying you 180 grand a week next season if you want to stay for one or two more years when you do absolutely nothing as a striker. Now, he's adapted his game. and He's doing all these other things, holding the ball up, getting assists. Yeah, we've got 
oh, we've got Smith Rowe on the bench to do that job. We've got Odegaard who can do that job. We need someone, a striker, who's going to get 30 goals a season. And he isn't getting three goals a season, including penalties, which is a shame because we love him. But we can't keep him, can we, Carl? His sentiment, look, look what sentiment has got us in the past. Uh, look at the Ozil situation. Look at the David Luiz situation. <laughs> look at um, the Aubameyang situation. So we've been we've had our fingers burnt too many times by offering thirty plus uh, age people contracts that we give it to them and they just don't do anything for us. And I'm not saying like I said, like I said, as a person, I have no problem with. But the position and the things that we want Lacazette to do on the football pitch he's not doing we don't want I know he's had a few uh, some good assists this season his hold up play brilliant absolutely wonderful but that's not what he's on the pitch for he's on the pitch to score goals and unfortunately we Arsenal do not have an out and out goal scorer because Lacazette is that person yesterday Lacazette there was times when the ball was put into the box I don't know if you remember that Martinelli um, where he went past Trent, then nutmegged. Um, oh God, he's a Liverpool captain. What's his name? Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson, yeah. He nutmegged Jordan Henderson. And Lacazette is on his heels. Now, a good striker would have been on his toes and got in there. Look at um, look at Firmino goal. He was on his toes straight away, got, the, got his boot in, scored. And the other end, like I said, doesn't do that. And that's the difference. That's the fine margins of what I'm talking about, where, you know, if we had a striker who, you know, was more forward thinking, it would be brilliant. You know, like I said, if like I said, wants to be in the squad at the number 10 role, fine. If that's what you want to do. Or the, the second striker, support striker, that's fine. But we need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. Eddie Ketty is not doing that, unfortunately. And, you know, I think um, everyone has sort of spoken about whether Martinelli should play as a number nine. But again, is Martinelli disciplined enough? I want Martinelli to run at players and, you know, do all the trickery stuff on the wing. But is Martinelli good enough to play up front uh, and score? I don't know. So it's hard, Josh, because, you know, like I said, I don't want to give... Lacazette 180 grand next season. If Lacazette takes half of that, even a quarter of it, to stay at the squad, to be in and around, and you say to him from the get-go, you're not going to play every game. You're just not. And now we've got European football, because I think we'll get into Europe, whether it be Champions League or not. Um, This is where you'll be. But, you know, does he go back to France and get a better payday or a better deal at France, somewhere in France where he's going to be good. I don't know. But for me, you know, Arsenal have a lot of shopping to do in, in the coming season because we need a minimum two strikers. We have to because Eddie's going fine. Lacazette is going. Balogun. Will he be Balogun go out on loan. Balogun back out on loan in the championship, I think, for a full season. That's where his level will be or Premier League. I think we shouldn't consider Balogun as our second-choice striker, basically. It's unfair on the kid, and it's one thing that we need to have a look at as well. Look at the English players or young players that have come through and are now in our starting eleven. Look how many games they've played before they've broken into the team. Uh, Saka's the only one, really, 
that hasn't had a loan elsewhere. Uh, Smithrow had his chance at Huddersfield and was at RB Leipzig. I know he didn't pay a lot, or even at all maybe, when he was over in Germany, but got that experience on loan. Uh, ben White spent a season at Newport County, then went to Peterborough, then went to Leeds, and then was in Brighton. Uh, so that's four seasons he's played before he's come here. Aaron Ramsdale, you know, AFC Wimbledon, player of the season, Sheffield United player of the season, Bournemouth player of the season uh, before he's come here as well. These guys have played a lot of football for such a young age. And I think it's the same for Balogun. Give him a full season of playing men's football. I know we've just seen that he's been, you know, he's finding his feet now up in Middlesbrough. He scored a decent goal at the weekend. And I think there's still opportunities for him there. But I'm also happy for Lacazette to go back to France. I think it's where he kind of wants to go. Lyon is probably the club which will give him the contract length that he wants. Um, because I'm also quite happy with the sensible decision that we're making. You know, we offered, what was it, uh, just an additional year to Lacazette. And Lacazette said I wanted two years. And I agree with us walking away and I also agree with Lacazette saying one year isn't enough for me because of his current circumstances and am I too worried about us trying to find a second striker? Not overly. We, I think we can find them that will be available as well. Um, everyone will know we need two strikers. We've heard a lot about rumours about who our marquee striker may be. We've not heard a lot about who we might be going for as the other option as well um, who may be a second striker um, but that will be the interesting thing for me it's similar to when we thinking about someone like Tommy Arsu we didn't really think we were looking for one um, or Ben White as well everyone said we had loads of centre-backs why do you want another centre-back we ended up with Ben White and what he's now in contendership for player of the season um, so I think yeah there's we're making good smart decisions um, and yeah if Edu is ever looking for some options. He can always give me a bell and I can tell him who's ripping it up at the Amex and he can go back to Tony Bloom and uh, give him some money for Alexis McAllister. That'll be my one for to this week. Talking about excellent decisions, Carl, this person has just done this in the Newcastle Everton game. Zip tied themselves, their neck to the post. I'm assuming that's a protest about the war. Um, that's Hugh Fernley Wittenstall, isn't it? <laughs> He's next to uh, Jason Schrader's glasses. Someone is he over to, soon? He is over soon. Rumours of his... Someone tried to do that against... Um, last it was our game. Last game. And they got stopped, yeah. They've yeah. Got, and they got stopped yesterday. So I'm assuming you're going to see it more and more. Um, yeah. I mean, it's certainly um, doing that is what's going to stop Putin bombing the western of Ukraine. Oh, cars had a nightmare. <laughs> yes, Sorry, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, um, I think there are ways to protest. That is not the way. I mean, we all know, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine is absolutely horrible. Like, genuinely, like, really horrible. And I get that people want, you know, the world to do more. But is doing that really going to help? Because all you're going to do is get yourself arrested um, and have loads and loads of people really mad at you. So... Yeah, it's, it's bad what's happening in the Ukraine. But, um, Danny, with this being a World Cup year, hello, Mrs. Sweetman. Oh, she's not Mrs. Sweetman, is she? 
She can't even. Uh, she is Mrs. Sweetman, but she's gonna. She wants to change it to Ivory, back her old name. Don't you, dear? Yes, dear. Yes. Go and put that shopping away before you can taste the back of my hand. <laughs> Don't hit me. <laughs> oh, she's she's small, but she's swift. What, what, what are you going to ask, Carl? Um, with this being a World Cup here, you're going to have a, lo- a load of uh, players who, you know, who players who are on the cusp of getting to their national squad. You know, that six month spell, or no, it's not six months, is it? It's that like four months. Who would want to play to try and get into the World Cup teams now? If you're trying to sign someone and you say to someone, you know, you, you're you going to be our second striker, do you think that that would be preventing them coming to Arsenal? Because they're thinking, well, if I'm starting at Club A and I go to Club B, Arsenal, and you're not willing to play me and I'm trying to get into my World Cup squad, then why would I leave? Do you think it's going to be easier or harder to sign players uh, based on it being a World Cup year and literally only having four months of the season before we have to stop? That is a genius point, Carl. I never thought of that because anyone who knows anything about football is looking, like we said earlier, there's 12 players in that Arsenal side. This summer, our best 11 are already here. Maybe Xhaka is the only one that... Xhaka isn't going to want to stay at a club. He's the Swiss captain. He's not going to want to stay at Arsenal unless he's um, playing regularly. And I think our plans in the summer are to get someone not... So there's possibly one position in the entire team that's up for grabs. And and you're like you're saying, Carl. I never thought about that. But if you've got the the World Cup starting in November, which is nine ten nine months away, why would you come to a club when you know you're not going to almost definitely not going to get in? Um, oh, Lacazette as well. Sorry, there's two. I'm surprised you didn't shout at me, Josh. There's two, isn't there? Well, Harland's taking that one, and then the middle one's Jude Bellingham. We're, we're double dipping it at Dortmund. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's a good point because you're not really want to go if you're an established player. You're not going to want to go to a team like Arsenal, which is up and coming and have to fight for your place, are you? No, um, you're not. It's going to be. I don't know, Josh. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I I generally think we're probably not going after players of huge international pedigree for, that would be um, scared of losing the position in their um, national team if they didn't play week in, week out for their club side. Um, you know, I was, I was just talking about well, who's our option for replacing Xhaka. I'd like to see Alexis McAllister. If McAllister then played, you know, if we're in Europe, he's playing once a week, fundamentally. Any player who joins Arsenal when Arsenal are in Europe next season, up until November, is playing a game every week which is more than enough for you if versus say we take somebody out of Leicester and they're playing once a week because uh, they're not in Europe. And uh, yeah, then we're in, we're in Europe playing once a week. It's the Pepe thing as well. Um, he'll get games as well. So yeah, I expect us to be going after those players who either play for lesser nations or, um, the talent pool is already so big. You know, imagine getting a midfielder who plays, uh, who could represent France as an example. Is there a chance he's getting, if he's not getting into the under 21s and isn't getting into the uh, you know, full national side, is he ever going to get a call up? That's the kind of players that we should be after. And there's definitely those kind of players that are out there. Um, but yeah, um, I think there's plenty of players that, will be available to us. I see what you mean about a striker, 
But I think that's where we'd be a bit smart about what we get as a second striker. Um, but yeah, uh, Danny is back on mute, I believe. So, Carl, back to you. So you're thinking more of like a, a under-21 option as a second striker to say, you know, we, we are going to guarantee you at least cup games and possibly Champions. I mean, let's say we, we do well and we do, do get into Champions Leagues. Um, your main striker definitely is going to want to play both Champions League and, and League. But I guess with more games becomes more rotation. You don't have to play yeah. your you know, you're, you're starting 11 every single game. If you are playing against, you know, relegation battlers, then you can afford to maybe rotate a, a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's gone. I'd say there's, there's players in, you know, not every national side is decided by, or squad is decided by basically public opinion or media opinion like the England team is. There are, uh, players out there that don't fit their national team's identity and necessarily don't get in their squad. I'm thinking, look at the Brazil lineup. Does Firmino start for Brazil? No. Uh, it's always someone like Richarlson. And Firmino starts week in, week out, as we say, for a team that is possibly top five of the world. Certainly in their best 11, if he doesn't start for the week in, week out. And I think that's the. Uh, that's the level that we're kind of looking at. There's always going to be players in there, in their kind of 24, 25. Again, French striker, because it's easy to think of because they've got such depth in their national team. For You could easily pick a striker up there who knows they're probably never going to make that team. And they're happy to still play week in, week out in the Premier League with chances in Europe, playing for a great side that's got a lot of footballing heritage as well. And remember, can actually pay them the wages. It's not like Chelsea. I didn't know you two that um, if you finish fourth in the in the Premier League, it's automatic group qualification. There's no no more Grand Prix qualification. So that means, we're, like I was listening to you were saying, Josh, we've got more games next season, and so that's going to be immediately six. And there's almost no situation where I think we're going to be in pot two when we qualify for the Champions League. And there's no, almost no way we're not making it out of the group stage. We've got at least eight games next season. Even if we did, didn't make it out of the group stage, then we're going to the Europa League. And there's so few teams. I mean, this Arsenal team at the moment, how many teams are there in Europe that we would struggle against? Because I was saying last night, Bayern Munich is the only German team because the rest of them are all rubbish. It's Real Madrid, possibly Barcelona now. The rest of them are all not much. Maybe Villarreal are pretty decent. And then in France, you've got PSG, but they shit the bed at a drop of a hat. Marseille look pretty decent with our players, three of them there. And then in Italy, well, there's no dominating team there. It's it's Napoli, AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus, all of the top four. And and none of those, they're all beating each other and uh, and losing and stuff. So there's hardly any teams in Europe that I'm scared of with the team we've got at the moment. I think if we had a striker next season, which we're going to do, like you were saying, and maybe I'd love to see Jude Bellingham or someone else like that, some another young Englishman come in. But... I'm not worried about Europe next season. I reckon we could get to the last 32, last 16 with the team we've got now, if we could score. I think that's a, a lot key thing. Isn't there. It? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's definitely the key thing of putting the ball in the back of the net. And I think it's so vital that we we get a striker uh, this season and, and early as well. I think, you know, the Lacazette situation is kind of... We, we we know what's going to happen. He's he's going to leave unless you know he decides to take a 
massive pay cut. But even so, even if he does stay, I don't want him to start next season. Like if we get into Europe or the Champions League, could you imagine that Lacazette in the Champions League? He, he's not gonna do well, and that's taking no shade or nothing away from Lacazette because he's done well for us this season. He's just not done the job that we want him to do, and that's put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and if we can keep this this squad together, because I can't see. I still am a little bit worried about Martinelli and Liverpool, I'll be very honest with you, because I've just got a feeling that Klopp or Liverpool can come in with some very ridiculous offer um, for him if if Salah does leave, you know, and, and because he definitely likes him and no one wants that. We want to keep him. And, you know, if we can make some additions, this squad will be good. Like, And I think we're also missing the fact that um, Arteta, he's in the last year of his contract as well, isn't he? Um, so, and I don't know if it's just paper talk, but we've seen him being linked with PSG. We've seen him being linked with from teams in Spain as well. So, you know, it's kind of fight or flight time. And I think at the moment, I'm sure that Arteta is waiting to see what we do, like when we get into, if we get into Champions League or not whether he signs that contract. If he, if he gets a Champions League, he signs a contract. If he doesn't, then I honestly do think it's a little bit, you know, ropey because there's no reason why he can't, if he believes uh, in what he's doing and his project, surely the project is not finished. So he should be signing a new contract. And the fact that he hasn't at the moment uh, is a bit weird. Or maybe he has, and they're just not announcing it yet. Maybe they're going to announce it when we get into Champions League, because that's something that hasn't been done before, has it? So, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a lot to do next season, but I'm quietly confident about next season because, and this is probably me talking with my rose tinted Arsenal glasses on at the moment, because there's things to get excited about. We play Liverpool and we, we was the best team. Liverpool won the game, but we definitely was the best team. And that's not, um, that's not me talking as an Arsenal fan. I'm sure every football fan can see that there are improvements in this team. We have improved a hell of a lot. And if we can, you know, I keep saying it's fine margins. If we can improve on those fine margins, then we will be a very good team. Yeah, we think, we, we will improve on those fine margins. That's the, uh, that's the belief I've got in uh, old Mikel. Okay, Arteta, I think he can do it for us. And uh, that's the big thing is you can see that the show of faith um, that everybody has had with him and the difference at getting the kind of difficult players out. I know it's not necessarily been nice and people have thrown it back in our face. Um, even our own fans have thrown it back in our face about how well one Mr... Um, Pierre-Emerick Adebayor is doing at uh, Barcelona right now. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely plenty going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of when you look at the statistics between that last game and uh, yeah, we we were pretty much toe-to-toe with Everton. Uh, not Everton, Liverpool, sorry. It's like I've been looking at fans getting stuck to posts in Everton. But yeah, we went toe-to-toe with Everton. Uh, I found us, but... 
Thunder's yeah. picking on you, Carl. Yeah. Carl, Carl, talking rubbish. I, don't, I think Thunder's in that mood, though, because he doesn't like Alexis McAllister. Um, I have to say, he's the nicest little man. He's the best Argentinian number 10 that they've had in the entire generation. So, my, my you know, Thunder likes to beat Thunder. Um, how was we not the best team yesterday? The, the first half, Liverpool could not get near us. For 54 minutes of that game, we were the better team. The first that first half was one of the best first halves of football I've seen Arsenal play because we were magnificent every man. Like we got to the ball, we won nearly every second ball. Our passing was absolutely brilliant. We just didn't put the ball in the back of the net, and that's because you know, let's be honest, we don't have a striker. We do not have a very good striker. Yesterday, there's even that the fact that Graham Souness at half time spoke positively against about Arsenal should tell you everything because that man hates Arsenal. He never has a positive thing to say. And even they, everyone in the in the pundits were saying we were the better team. Like we 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 played Liverpool off the park and it just so happens that, you know, a few tactical changes at half time that we didn't adapt to because I'm sure he pushed Jordan Henderson further up the pitch, which, you know, um sort of put him on Thomas Partey. Um, and fortunately, you know, Liverpool have the better players, but no one can't tell me that yesterday in the first half that we weren't better than Liverpool. Of course we was. I agree, we were. And it's happened many times in the past. We haven't been the best team when we won the game. But Liverpool expected to win that game. Liverpool and Man City are two of the best teams in the world. And this this year, as in 22, we have given both of those teams two of their hardest games uh, against Liverpool in the League Cup away. That defensive performance we put on was absolutely stunning. And then what we did in the first 54 minutes last night was stunning. And it's we just need a couple more pieces. We are ahead of schedule, Josh, aren't we? I mean, we shouldn't. I wouldn't have expected Trust the Process to be like this until maybe this point next season. Oh, well, Danny, I knew all along. Josh knows, remember? Mr. Josh. <laughs> I knew it would come good. Uh, to be fair, I didn't see us clearing out so quickly. Um, and I think the fact that we are on the Champions League still at this time of the season, yeah, uh, I thought maybe we'd probably do a step up Europa League first, but we're coming into an opportunity pretty well, um, especially when, as you say, we've got players coming to the end of a contract where there's the opportunity to get replacements of a world-class quality. So whilst it's annoying that, yeah, oh, we've got uh, Eddie and Lacquer running down their deal, well, it's not like there's a complete dearth of world-class strikers out there available to us. The fact we've been linked with three or four of them already shows that if everybody is fawning over Haaland, gives us an opportunity to go in for Isak or Jonathan David or Calvert-Lewin on a cut price deal if Everton hopefully get relegated. There's many options uh, for us in that regard. So I think the project and the process has come to a decent um, level right now, especially if we get Champions League. It is. Do you think Jude Bellingham would come to us, Carl? Because I was, I didn't realise how young he was. He's still only 19. And for Dortmund last season, all competitions, 46 games and four. This season, 36 and six. He's 19. And he's played 10 games for England. Is that is that beyond us? 
or does he fit the mould? I think it's beyond us. I think he will definitely be uh, a signing for Liverpool because they're building that. And I think um, their captain is what he's in his uh, mid thirties now, so it could be a replacement for him. But I also think you need to, if we get to Champions League, we have a much better chance of getting players of Duke Benningham's quality. However, it's all dependent on how much money that the Cronkies are going to spend. You know, they spent an awful lot of money last season. And if we get to Champions League, that's brilliant because that money kind of nearly recoups itself. But I think so much is dependent on whether we get into the Champions League, not even just Europe Champions League, because the difference in money is astronomical between the Europa uh, Cup and the Champions League. So if we can get there, then it, it will make Stan open up his purse strings just a little bit more and get the players that we need. I think it's brilliant that we've got the wage bill down so much and the clear out has definitely helped us. Um, we just need to make sure that we don't fall behind because Man City will get a striker next season and they will become a better team. Depending on what happens with Salah, Liverpool are going to strengthen as well. They're going, definitely going to strengthen um, in midfield. 100% they will. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea are up in the air at the moment for the simple fact that you don't know what kind of owner they're going to have. They're going to have a new owner, but just depending on whether that owner is going to pump money into the club. Um, I've got a feeling that Chelsea are going to fall on their feet and they are going to get the striker. Uh, sorry, they are going to get an owner who's going to spend money. I've got a really bad, not as maybe as much as Roman Bramovich, but they're going to have a, an owner that's going to put money into that club, sadly, and they're going to remain where they are. And you're forgetting Manchester United as well. They are going to spend money because that's what Manchester United do. Um, they spend money. And sadly, as much as we may not want to admit it, Man United still have that pull of being Manchester United, sadly. Um, so it, it's definitely going to happen. So it's not like we're going to have to pick up who we want. Um, we are going to have to fight for definitely certain players. But... There's no reason why we can't get players of the ilk of Jude Bellingham and uh, Haaland. Maybe not those two players because I think Haaland's got City written all over him, hasn't he? And you never know. You ne you never know. But it's it's a hope, isn't it, that you do get those sort of players? Yeah, I think there's one with um, certainly Bellingham. You look at players of his similar, well, in his same age group similar kind of quality that went immediately for the big jump. I think someone like Kamavinga, who now has averaged, he's got uh, 18 appearances in the league this season, but has only averaged 45 minutes uh, a game this year. That's the kind of thing that you'd expect. You know, if, um, uh, Bellingham's got what he knows right now is a decent gig in terms of he's going to play every week and probably play Champions League, well, Europa League, after they got knocked out by Rangers. Um, well, they're not even in Europe at all. But if he went to a Premier League side, if he goes to Liverpool, is he starting in that midfield every single week? Uh, potentially not. 
Um, certainly not doing 50 games a season like he is right now. Um, and the same for Man City. Does it get in there? Not necessarily. That's what Arsenal can bring you. They can say, look, we can make space in the squad. You can take 50 games a season. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'd be looking at. Uh, and I think that's what players would also be looking at, that we're coming to play for a progressive manager. Uh, it depends on the style of football you want to play. Uh, you know, if you're not, uh, a, if you like running around a lot, and you're not technically that good in terms of uh, with your feet and with your passing, then yeah, go to Klopp's midfield. But if you want to play decent football uh, as a midfielder with decent passing, intricate passing, and play pretty football, then yeah, come to uh, Mikel Arteta's happy little club of boys. Um, Do you think we got all got? <laughs> that's we've got all of our boys in the England squad now haven't they and they can tap up anybody else that's been yep. that's been done before um, and oh, you've got to add to that the fact that Klopp is leaving at the end of next season so I don't think he gives a fuck about the, the long term sustainability of the players contracts he's going to want to win the league this season which looks like they might do it and then next season he wants to do more stuff and then like he did with Dortmund he left them in a, a shaking ragged heap of bodies when he left there got every single bit out of him and hopefully he does that with Liverpool and then they have a, another 30 years of de- decay. I mean, hopefully, that's that's the key. But I think the price of Benningham, you know, is going to be much. And we're talking for Benningham, 75 mil, aren't you? Um, yeah, but if, if, if Partey was 50 million and has no sell-on value... Then are we taking 75 million for Duke Bellingham, who could be in our midfield for easily 10 years? The rest of his, for more than half his life, he could do. <laughs> yeah, easy. I don't think it's a problem looking at that kind of money. And I think the Cronkies will take it in that way as well. But positionally, that... is he the player we need to play ahead a of party? I think he is, isn't he? He could play. That's the good thing about what we've, what Arteta has done is what. What we now need is a lot easier to get because there's a wider breadth of player that can do the job that Granite Xhaka is doing right now. Um, rather than where it was before, that you're like, oh, I need someone that can sit next to Thomas Partey and kind of be a bit more like Granite Xhaka of old, where they could be a solidish defensively, um, at least get aggressive in a tackle, and then do that kind of playmaking from deep you don't need that anymore uh we've got Partey doing it uh, and i imagine based on what sambi said when he joined that's sambi's position as well as is the number six so we just need to look for a number eight and i think that's the big thing um it's a lot easier to find that player that can slot in there and belling could be one of those um there's plenty more in world football that fit that mold uh based on the football we're playing now um so, yeah, I think that's the big benefit that we've seen right now. I kind of want to bring it back to uh, football. And does, does Saturday's game against Villa mean it's a must-win game, Josh? Do you think we have to win that game in order to stay in the hunt for top four? I think for... At the end of the season, it might not necessarily necessarily be that much pressure. But where I want to be right now is going into that run of United and Chelsea and especially into the North London derby when they 
finally work out the best narratively narrative place to put that game because you know that's what they're waiting for they're trying to work out when the north london derby might actually mean something to spurs um as i want to be making sure that we are four points clear of fourth or you know four points clear of fifth at that point that we know whatever happens that we are safe so i want points on the board fc that's us carl we're not we're not uh yeah, games in hand, FC. We are points on the board because you know what? After that loss against Liverpool, the fact that we still maintained in fourth position after a loss, that's what I kind of want to see now. I want to be in that position that if we do end up doing a bit of an Arsenal or a team, I don't know, just outplays us one week. I don't want us to be falling out of top four because it feels less and less pressure then. Or oh, sorry, more and more pressure and less and less likely. No, I agree. I I, I think, kind of think it is a must win. I'll be very honest with you because what I don't want is our mindset to then change. You know, because one, Arsenal fans are very fickle. Journalists are very fickle. One moment they're giving you praise and, and you know, Arsenal definitely going to make top four. If we lose to Aston Villa, then we go into the run of Chelsea, uh, United, and so on. Is it the case of, oh, you know, Arsenal got that soft underbelly? You can't trust Arsenal, so um, you know they may not make top four. And I really want to. Like, I, I really want to get back into the Champions League this season. Like, genuinely, even if it's at the expense of Spurs, which I absolutely love. I think we need we need to get into the top four and I think if we then don't get a, a a win against Aston Villa I don't want our heads to then drop because it will it, you know lost to Liverpool then go away to Aston Villa it's not going to be great and Aston Villa haven't been playing brilliant Pe- people have jumped on this hype of Steven Gerrard oh he's done brilliantly I swear he's only won like three games in ten or something stupid like that so they're not setting the world alight but by no means is it going to be a very easy game. Like no means, especially the turnaround time as well. I think us playing lunchtime Saturday is atrocious. And I know Mikel sort of um, was not happy about it when in the press conference, especially after the scheduling of the of the uh, the Chelsea game. Um, you know, we just see. But unfortunately, Mikel, if we get to Champions League. This is what's going to happen. Like, you know, we're a team now that kind of people are going to want to see. So for TV fixtures, we are going to have to play maybe on a Wednesday and then a Saturday because this is what happens, um, unfortunately. So <sighs> I don't really get the motive for Mikel. Like, I understand what you're saying. He's pissed off. But let's be honest, we've kind of played one game a week all season. So it's not that like the players are overly burnt out. I mean, someone I saw a start on Twitter where I think they said Arsenal have played something like 34 games this season. Liverpool have played 54 or something along them lines. So this I know, I know we've got a small squad. Uh, yeah, we've got a smaller squad. And yeah. I, I totally understand that. But It's the test for it. See if it's, it's going to work because... I think we might be in trouble. I mean, especially after the winter break, up winter break, after the international break, we've got uh, five games in 19 days, Carl. Yeah, and unfortunately, and that's not accounting for any injuries that happen 
you know, in the international break. So for me, you have to get, I mean, going to Eastern break after the Villa game, you have to get the points because you don't want to go into the international break with that dwelling on your mind thinking, shit, you know, when Spurs are now only one point behind, Manchester United are two points ahead of us or, or whatever it's going to be. So I, I do think Aston Villa is definitely a must-win game and we have to go for it. And just a quick one for you, Danny. Would you make any changes for the Aston Villa game or would you stick with the team that we've been playing? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think I would... See, the not... On top of all of that, like it's annoying that I like to use the uh, the football manager analogy. You don't play your best players for ninety minutes every game, and a couple of them you take off with five minutes to go. And he hasn't done that. So if we need Tavares or Lukonga or El Nenny, they've been sat on the bench twiddling their thumbs for the last month. And and Eddie is we've shown game after game, Eddie comes on and he's absolutely useless, does nothing. Pepe will come on and. Uh, Every other, every three, every third game, he'll he'll do something. But even if he doesn't do anything, he's still causing trouble. But then we got Big Bob. But the lucky thing, Carl, that we've got with our squad is uh, is the Gilles Grimandi effect, where you've got a player. Normally, a team has one or two players they play in any position. We got Suarez who can play. Um, Left, left back, right back. We got Tommy Ashu centre back, right back. We got Smith Rowe can play anywhere across the middle three, and Saka middle three, Martinelli middle three, and up front. Um, Erdegaard can play a little bit deeper, play a little bit further forward, can play out wide. I think that's lucky that he has got six Gilles Gramandis in the club. Where if someone does have to drop out through injury or lack of form or tired or any of that lot, another player will be able to slip into that position. I mean, if if Saka doesn't play, we bring in a seventy-two million pound winger. <laughs> How many other clubs can say they're going to do that? So I'd stick with it. But I, if I had to have a, a, a whisper in Arteta's ear, I'd say start utilising the sub, substitutes a lot more and take rather than taking people off with five minutes to go. Take like with Leicester. 2-0 up, take two or three of our best players off. <clears throat> as long as they're not defenders and they're not party, then um, the, the forward ones take some of them off and rest them because it's going to be coming up after this international break. That's when we're going to see if there's any trouble. But as for that question, Carl, and I'd stick with the same 11. Um, I'd love to see Martinelli play up front rather than Lacazette, but that's never going to happen. So I'd uh, be just talking gibberish. So, yeah, keep it. Yeah, I'm getting Josh, um, there's been talk in the papers and also on on Sky that the Premier League are thinking about going to five substitutes again as it was in pre-pandemic. Are you a fan of that or do you think it does favour the clubs with the bigger squads and leaves the little people with the smaller squads at a disadvantage? Mm, It would only do it if they didn't know about it coming in. They can plan for it. Like there's a summer coming up. Uh, if they decide at the beginning of the season that we're going to five subs, then Sean Dyche, because I think that's what we mean when we mean the smaller clubs, we mean only Sean Dyche, because I don't think, looking at other side, other sides in the league, they've got fairly substantial squads uh, and they've got decent players that can come in and rotate. Yeah, it maybe it favours us a slight bit more, but you could say that it's relative to the quality of that side that I would say looking, for example, at a Brighton side, if uh, McAllister's not available, then you have Jakob Moda available on the bench or uh, even Adam Lallana if he's not you know, 
up in the uh, hospital wards again. But you've got decent quality. You've got adequate quality in there. Um, yeah, it may end up with you spreading yourself a little thin in terms of what you look for to the player, but I don't think it would change too much in there. Uh, mainly due to if you're kind of a team that's sitting back and defending for 90 minutes, then you might actually, and I'm sure we'll see it straight away, see so Sean Dice gets five substitutes since the 89th minute and he's uh, got a nil-nil draw and hanging on for dear life at uh, the Emirates. He's going to be making all five substitutions 30 seconds after each other to break the game up as well. There's definitely ways of utilising that beyond just, oh, can I have more better players? I think it will help us in the long run in terms of all players that it's better for the welfare and also better for players that are getting more minutes as well uh, because we can see that a lot of players get completely overworked and any opportunity for them to be able to rotate out and get the rest that they need, I think it's great. Do you think our accelerated evolution of some of our players is because we're such a small squad? Uh, that's a good question. Potentially, potentially, I think it could be that. I think what's happened with the evolution of the squad in terms of we've got to a smaller squad is now that Arteta, he's not got as much noise when he looks at the bench. You know, when you think when he came in, it was okay. You need to pick your defence. And we had, what, nine centre-backs to pick from? And he tried basically every combination you could. Um, take those away and we're down to, well, we've got Ben White, uh, Gabriel, Holding. And then that's it because the rest are out on loan. It's made it a lot easier in Arteta's mind of what he's going to do. And you can see he's now got more coherent thoughts because we don't have all of those options. It's made it easier for him. And we know that we need more players uh, and we need better players and upgrades in places, but actually we also want more games as well. So it's going to be easier to deal with it. We definitely need to strip back the squad so it's easier for Arteta to get his ideas across as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a good question. And for me, it's, yeah, it's definitely helped us having a smaller squad. Um, and definitely help the manager. But. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I guess next season it'll be a good problem to have when we have got Champions League games and we have, do have a bigger squad. And, you know, Mikel's got a plethora of, um, of players to choose from. And, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be great. Um, let sort of touch on Tom Yassi quickly before we start taking listeners' questions. Um do you think his injury is worse than what Mikel Teta is letting on? And I know, you know, Arsenal don't really like to reveal about injury news because you very rarely, I know these do um, injury watch at um, the press conferences and now he doesn't do that. And the fact that he hasn't even been on the bench, do you think that, you know, I know he's, he's hurt his calf, but do you think it's a bit more worse than what the club are letting on? Well, he's gone over from, is Danny talking or is he talking to us? Who knows? He might be muted. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, in terms of Tommy Arce's injury, I think um, it's difficult because he's had, an, he's had the same injury in both legs. So he had his one calf injury, came back and then did his calf in the other leg. 
So I think that's what makes it sound worse and more difficult is because we see every week, oh, Tommy Arsenal's been out for eight weeks with, or however long it is, with a calf injury, when actually it's been, he's had two calf injuries in different legs, um, which is worrying that he's not come back. But I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I'd rather not force Tommy Arsu back um, for him just to get injured. I'd rather get him back for one game. Well, sorry, I'd rather get him back for 10 games than just one game and then lose him again. Um, he's not going to go on international duty. So is that the fact of he can't go because he's completely injured and can't offer it or we're going to start rehab with him? I think that's the big thing that I've got from there. Um I don't know if Danny's going to give us a symbol when he is back and available or just stick a plum or cream egg in his mouth. Mm, cream egg. How do you eat yours? I haven't eaten it yet. I had, I I had my shopping done and I forgot to get my mum something in the shopping. So I'd tea cake. I paid 12 quid for a delivery just for the chocolate for her. Oh, <laughs> Yes. I was listening to that. Good point, Josh. I agree with everything you said. Oh, that's awkward. There's been uh, like like Mark says, spot on, Josh. Another one who agrees with what you said. Going to get a big head now, aren't you? Yeah, that's that's the real reason my hairline's going. It's the same amount of hair I've had always, but my head's just got bigger. That's probably that is that is probably exactly <laughs> it. Um, are we doing the questions now, Carl? They're uh, saved under starred. There's a new system, Carl. You look next to live at the top. It says starred. Click on starred, and it's all the ones we've highlighted during the show. So they're for Josh. But it's up to you, Carl, when we do them. You're the boss. No, no, that's fine. I mean, like I said, the Liverpool, Liverpool, hear me. The Liverpool game was, I would, I want to say a free hit because that's, uh, that's horrible to say because it just seems like we're just definitely going to lose the game. But I think that, unfortunately, we were just outbeaten by a team that has better quality in the whole squad and they can afford to bring on Salah and Firmino and literally change the game, although they got a goal before. And that was it. You know, Arsenal don't have that. Arsenal have Pepe to bring from the bench and Enketiah. I mean, if you really needed a goal, is Enketiah really going to get you that goal? No, he's not. No, unless he's stat padding in the League Cup, he's not. No, definitely. And, you know, organised chaos from Pepe, which, you know, is always good to see. But I think until we get that clinical striker who can definitely put the ball in the back of the net, we're always going to be talking about the what-if chances. Oh, even when even when we have that clinical striker, we'll still talk about the what-if chances. Yeah, that but then still, still happen. But we can still blame it on the clinical striker. We can say, oh, Isaac, why the fuck? Well, we should have gone for Haaland. Look at like, yep. Haaland's just scored a hat-trick. We'll like, oh, Jonathan, David, Jonathan David's doing bits in <laughs> I don't know, Serbian 7th Division. Why didn't we get him <laughs> after he went from Lille? There'll be something like that. I know that's how it tends to work. Um, but yeah, should we do some questions? Go for it, Joshua. Um, my first question is, has Danny finished eating his cream egg? And he's already oh, answered that. Uh, there you go. Mom, oh. mom, mom. Well, I'm going to ask Carl this question anyway. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Carl, question from Kesh Studios. Um, why can't we adapt to play differently against a top side? It won't be scored. Iwobi yeah, has scored, Carl, yeah. in the 104th minute. It's the end of the world, Carl. Let's get naked. 
I really want Newcastle. I really want Newcastle to go to go down. I'll be honest with you, but it's not going to happen. I really want Frank Lampard to be exposed as a massive fucking fraud. But um... he really is. He really is being exposed as a fraud. But um, I think we can adapt to play differently against. I mean, you look at the games that we played against the the, the top sides. Um, we're going to discount the first game against Manchester City because that game was, yeah with Jacket being sent off. But the game against the Emirates, you look at how close we came to winning that game or even taking something from that game. And it was literally, we were down to 10 men. So we lost a man again in that game. And that foul by Granit Xhaka with the penalty, which was ridiculous. So you think if we had 11 men on the pitch, would we have beaten Man City? Who knows? But I think we, I don't think we lose that game. Maybe we don't win, but we definitely don't lose that game against Man City. Uh, when we played Manchester United uh, away and we we was 1-0 up and it was just literally a foul by Martin Odegaard, wasn't it, in the box. I, remember, I can't remember who we tackled uh, and Ronaldo managed to score the penalty. So we went away to Manchester United, silly mistakes again, which Martin Odegaard, I can guarantee, will never make that mistake again. Um... Liverpool away, yeah, we got battered. There's no excuse for that. We got absolutely outplayed against Liverpool away. We were just horrible. But Liverpool at home, was we that bad? No, we wasn't. So the potential is there to beat these top squads. And notice I haven't put Spurs in that because I don't class Spurs as the top side. But, um, you know, the, the Ch- and Chelsea away, no, yeah, no, Chelsea home, we were battered when people thought that we weren't battered, but we were just beaten by when Lukaku was the best player in the world. And again, it was small margins when we could have won that game as well. So I don't think that we played badly against, I mean, the record shows that we are not very good against top squad, but if you look at the game as a whole, we play quite well in those games. It's just literally small errors and mistakes that we make that makes it seem worse than it is. So next season, will it change? I'll probably be sitting here with you uh, to next season saying, oh, you know, we just can't do it. But who knows? But I do think that stats, the, the, at the end of the day, we got the L in that game. But did we play well in those games? I think we did. Cool. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. But I don't think we need to change our style too much. It's clearly it is working better than it did earlier in the season. Um, and yeah, we still got to play Chelsea again. It's a very different proposition to um, you know, the team that started Chelsea as well. Didn't have most of our new signings that are now mainstay of our side. Danny, question for you from Tullby Full, um, or there may be a different way of doing that. I don't know. I don't care right. either. Tullby Full. Um, do you think we should start Pepe to give Saka a little rest on Saturday? ESL for Marty and the next game's come in pretty quick succession after the international break. So it seems like we should keep legs a bit fresher. That would seem logical because when Saka then comes on, he can come on on either side because Pepe, although he's left footed, he plays right wing. Um, he's not that good on the, on the left hand side. So, but Saka doesn't care. He'll do both sides just as well. And it would make sense to drop those two and start the other two. But I think, 
Arteta is sometimes he expects more from the players than he gets or than they should be able to get and he is a little bit naive as a manager when it comes to substitutions and swapping players around because all of us lot can see that you need to do it more often than he's not doing it and it's not like he's not doing it and things are working out magnificently we're just lucky that we've only had one injury and one Covid in the last month so um I think he'd be in a lot more trouble if, if we'd had more injuries like most other clubs are getting. But personally, yeah, I'd swap them. Okay, fair enough. I would probably, um, I wouldn't drop Martinelli at all for the game. I think he was too good um, to even be considered dropping him. Uh, but I would probably maybe start ESR over Odegaard. That might be an option if you mm. wanted to rest a player. Uh, but I just don't think we need to rest them. Yet, um, Carl, do you want the quick question or the long question or the depressing question? You choose, Joshua. This is your time. Okay, Carl, this one's from Russ Morgan. Do you think if we lose to Villa, top four could be over? You can guess which one that uh, fit into my three different ones. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's definitely not. There's, there's too many games to play, too many variables. Um, so no, definitely not. Does it become a little bit harder? Again, it all depends on different results. Remember, Manchester United are not putting up trees at all. And that lot up the road have always got a clanger in them as well. And I think we are writing off West Ham. Like West Ham are still up there and we can't discount them in the slightest. But they've still got some difficult games as well. I mean, we've got to go to West Ham um, and play them. But... They're one one on aggregate at the moment against Sevilla, so they've well one nil at home, one nil away, so that's going to extra time. Which is good for yeah, us. I think it is. Let us hopefully get some injuries. But no, in all honesty, no, I think top four is between three teams at the moment, us back up the road at Manchester United. One of us will get it. Um But no, nah, if we lose to Villa, it's definitely not over because there's too many games to play in this league. Hmm. Yeah, and we've got to play a lot of teams that are around us as well. Uh, as you say, we've still got to play West Ham, we've still got to play Chelsea, and we've still got to play United and Spurs. So yeah. there's, there's 12 but potential the points is, for us. If we drew any of those games, it might be okay because we're drawn mm. against teams that are around us. And, yep. and like saying that the jump from Wolves in, in eighth to Villa in, in ninth is 10 points. So it's only Wolves, Spurs, West Ham, Man United and Arsenal that can go for it. Mm. And I don't think Wolves have got the goals that they've seen against us where we beat them home and away in a short length of time. And Spurs just shit the bed at the slightest opportunity. The only time they ever turn up is when uh, Kane sees it's a prospective employer managing the other side. He goes, oh, I better play well this game. <laughs> uh, and that's why he played so well against Graham Potter. Um <laughs> Question from Paul Nell uh, for you, Danny. Would you take Richardson? Nope. He looks like to be a um, bit of a diva, the star of the team, and he's got Barcelona written all over him eventually, so I wouldn't want to cool. incorporate him into a team. Plus, he tends to run very hot and cold with, with Everton. He should be... Has, star player. Bloody hell, that Lucas is killing me. A star player performing brilliantly every week, and he's not. Is, but it was hard to perform when you're in a team like Everton if you've got Fat Frank as a manager eating all the cakes mm. and uh, wobbling around all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. no. Would anyone, would either of you two take him? No. Carl? No, okay. definitely not. Yeah, he's got a bad case of being a twat. Straight to Marseille for him, <laughs> young man. 
Um, and the final question to you, Carl, from Phil Macker. With a worldy striker and a new defensive midfielder coming in the summer, can we do well in the Champions League and still get fourth next season? By well, do you mean win it? Because obviously the answer is yes. Okay, um, then yes. No, clearly. Um, do you know what I'm really worried about? Newcastle. I think the fact that if Newcastle stay up, which it looks like they are definitely going to, mm. they are going to spend serious money um, next season. And again, like I said, Chelsea are going to pull it out of the bag, aren't they? They're going to get a owner who's going to want to spend money because if it's his first season in, he's going to, or they, sorry, because it could be a consortium, are going to want to prove to the fans that they mean business and want to spend money. So they are going to, you know, definitely put some coins out and say, look, we mean business. Man City are going to spend money. And I think all the teams around us are definitely going to spend money. So it's going to be hard next season, definitely to, again, get into the top four. I think the top two are always going to be the top two for a few years. Unfortunately, Man City and Liverpool, depending on what happens with Chelsea, depending on how much money the other teams spend. But I think, and I'm saying this now, people need to look out for Newcastle because even though it's, they, they manage Eddie Howe, and it's Eddie Howe, let's be honest, I think he was definitely brought in to steady the ship and keep them in the league. He's done that. Now he's done that. What is stopping them from going for their established manager because they wanted an established manager but no one wanted to take the job because of where Newcastle were in the league at the time now they're going to stay in the league and they're going to spend obscene amount of money of course they are I think they are not a threat but they're going to be a threat to the top four definitely next season I think it depends on if they spend well that's the thing because anybody can uh, have a rich sugar daddy and just throw money around um Look at Man United. Well, well they spent £1.2 billion since they were last won the league and uh, <laughs> haven't had a league title since. Yeah, I, I can't see Newcastle being a threat for maybe two or three seasons. I don't think that squad, you can immediately pivot it to being a top four contender. Especially with yeah, look at the league. Look how strong this league is compared to when Chelsea bought the league. All they did, it was easy for them because it was a two league. It was a two-team league at that point. It was only us and uh, United, right. and we had just built a stadium. And they decided, oh yeah, they could take some of our players. And then Man City came in. It was only really a two-team, two and a half team because we were currently selling off our players trying to deal with the stadium. And then Man City was oh, we'll just take some of your players as well, and that will help us get into fourth and fifth. Uh, well, fourth. And third, and still, Man City weren't a threat for a title contender threat for what five, maybe long more years until they got close to win the league, or when they did eventually win the league under Pellegrini. It took them a good old while. They had some dodgy managers at that time. Mark Hughes was one of them dodgy managers. Sven, yeah, Sven as well under that uh, kind of era. Um, Mancini was there. He didn't win the league with them, was it? It was Pellegrini that they needed eventually. But yeah, uh, I couldn't no, see it happening. Mancini. Yeah, Mancini. 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 Oh, it was Mancini was Aguero. There we go. Then. Yeah. 
Just looking at Aaron Ramsey for Rangers tonight, he's played 11 Scottish Premier League. He's been at the club for 11 Scottish Premier League and the European run games. He's played a four minutes, a 14 and a 15 minutes out of 11 games. Oh, he's playing more than he did at Juventus. Good for Aaron. (laughs) Good for Aaron. Um, Carl, that was the end of the questions. Um, Yeah, back over to you if you want to do shout-outs or close the show or continue talking for another two and a half hours. Um, Fortunately, or unfortunately, we don't have Chris Carpenter on on the show, so we can't go on and talk about, you know, his hair or his trousers or why the French league is the best league in the world in his eyes only, obviously. Um, so yes, we'll do gentlemen's nods slash shout outs. Uh, Danny, cause you're the mm. most prepared person in the whole entire world. I'm mm. going to assume that you have one lined up ready. Certainly do. It's friend of the pod, Ola black scorpion at black scorpion three he's uh, he's nigerian and he's in a bit of uh, a bit of a pickle at the moment it says here um he's having to now i need to reapply for my residency in order for me to be able to continue working and looking after my family in the uk but the uk ba fees including health surcharge fees and lawyer fees became so expensive and left me no other choice but to reach out to to you lot and he's after donations he needs three and a half thousand pounds so that he can um do the application, stay in the, the UK, get a residence permit. He's raised £689 so far, but he's been on our podcast many times over the years. He was on the uh, the Transfer Deadline Day show. He does the boxing and MMA show. And so, yeah, if he's got a GoFundMe going at the moment, so if anyone's got any money they don't need, go and give it to our mate Ola because uh, he's a lovely, lovely man. That's it. So worthy, worthy calls. Um, yeah, if you can... People go and do that, definitely. Um, Joshua, who's your uh, shout-out to? Oh, um, I don't really know who I've got a shout-out for. Maybe for the Everton fan who protested oil by using a single-use plastic. That guy. That guy. That's who I'll, um, I'll shout-out to. Um, there you go, Carl. I got you mid-cough as well. And then that's you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, good. Um, my shout out is for all the Ukrainian people that are trying to stay safe. Um, genuinely, I hope you do. It's a terrible thing that's happening over there, and it's just, you know, just really, really bad. The tyrants trying to take them over, and you know, I'm not going to get political on this podcast, but you know, it's just horrible. So, all the Ukrainian people, stay safe, people, uh, and hopefully, this stupid, stupid war is over very very quickly and that's my uh shout out daniel uh that is the end of the podcast daniel we've done it mm. under two hours just because chris is not here well he is here in the top right corner he's here in spirit you look at him he's yoga in his ass off as we speak he's probably his doing that blown in the wind josh is jealous because he can't have luscious locks like that Oh, well, Chris I, can barely I could. Have it. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that's more with willpower than anything else. Um, no, Josh. Josh closes the, uh, shuts the show. Now he's got the buttons. Did it last time. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Josh to work the magic with the buttons because it makes him feel powerful, like um, Thanos. Oh, well, yeah. Could, so, cheers yeah, for hosting, Cole. You're brilliant, and cheers, Josh, and cheers, you lot, beautiful bastards watching. So, you tell him yes. when, Cole, and you watch him, watch him scurry around and work his magic. 
Dull, look at him. He's got the five stones of power in his hand and he's just ready to click his fingers. So, people, thank you very much for listening. Uh, until next time, take care and see you later. Hashtag fuck Ellis. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>